Hello and welcome. I'm Eric. And I'm John. And this is the Wikipedia Chronicles. podcast where we start with a random article explore it then follow the links and see where it takes us john what have you got today uh today the random button has not taken me too far from home uh we have the perky omen bridge uh it was originally built in 1798 to 99 and was widened in 1928. Now, it's one of the oldest stone arch bridges in the United States still in use. Currently, it crosses over the Perky Omen Creek near Collegeville, PA. Hmm. And the bridge's six semicircular arches cover a total of over 300 feet. The largest arch spans 76 feet. Its decorative piers and belts courses are unusual for a bridge this old. A lottery financed $20,000 of the original construction, so wonder what $20,000 in uh, 1798 money is today. Because <laughs> that's probably pretty substantial, I would imagine. Yeah. But uh, in any case, this is, um, ba- it is basically situated along the main road between Philadelphia and Reading. Uh, known at various times as Manitoni Pike, Germantown Pike, the Philadelphia Reading Pike, and also, at one point, it was part of 422. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, and that's not even, uh, the entire article. As it happens, this bridge is on the U.S. National Register of Historic Places, despite it being just a bridge, and so... It has yet it has several other pictures, a couple more paragraphs. Oddly robust history hmm. for a bridge. Oh. But yeah, yeah, pretty pretty interesting stuff here for for an old bridge. Uh, for an old ar- bridge, I think it's like three arches maybe. <laughs> it's not really. It's not like it, it's cool looking. It's yeah. like really like rustic looking, very European. But uh, I don't know. Doesn't seem like it would be that big of a deal just looking at it. Hmm. Still, still, it's cool. Um, so, I don't, uh, ironically, I don't have a good uh, bridge <laughs> into letting you go on to your own article, so I'll just ask, what uh, do you, uh, you know, uh, uh, have? <laughs> uh, my random article is When the Dust Settles. Is it is <laughs> a movie. Nope. Single. Nope, close. Okay, all right. Album? Yep. Okay, there we go. All right. It looks like Wikipedia has a new favorite for me. Oh, no. What's this? Just musical albums. Okay. Because I have been getting them quite a lot, I feel like. Uh, We just talked about one a couple weeks ago. And so, yeah. I have When the Dust Dust Settles. It is the third full-length album from Australian hip-hop group Downside with a Y. Well, I don't like them anymore. <laughs> Released in 2004 through Obese Records. <laughs> um, the 
All tracks were recorded and mixed at various members' homes, except for flutes on Bring It All Back and Arabian Nights. There are flutes in this? Apparently. Okay. <laughs> um, let's see. There's 23 tracks on this album, and it's not all, like, filler. There are only four tracks under three minutes. Which is impressive. That seems like they had some restraint on their oh, whole oh, uh, skit thing. There's no one. No it, still. It's still, it's still like, is well into the teens. It's a, it's a relatively, uh, uh, you know, lengthy album, yeah. really. Let's see. What, I wonder if it has a time. Like a length. Oh, yeah. Length, 69 minutes and 16 seconds. Wait a second. That's... This um, have you noticed the, the the numbers of this of this group? Have you seen their names? They have pseudonyms they go by. Now this is a hip hop group, correct? Yes. And what is the member's name who who leads it? His his pseudonym. Um, he's one of the he's the first listed producer. Oh, opt Optimus. Optimus. Yeah. <laughs> It, I thought I, I'm. I was pretty sure that it looked like Apotamus. <laughs> I was wondering, just based on like how this like is Australian. I was thinking, is this the hip hop Apotamus <laughs> of of like of the Concord's fame and parody? Is this who they were trying to emulate? It could be. I mean, like, there's obviously an entire genre they were trying to emulate, but right. I feel like. But if they were going to make to fun, yeah, exactly. And they're from New Zealand, so natural, yeah. the natural bickering partner is to pick on Australia. Mm-hmm. So it would be like Hip Hop Optimus. It's close. <laughs> it is so close, I can't <laughs> rightly ignore it entirely. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, would you rather talk about another musical album or uh, a bridge? It's a tough choice. Because one sounds more interesting to probably most listeners, but then there's what we've been doing um, for the past couple episodes, though this is different. Australian hip-hop is admittedly new. It's a new realm. It's definitely something we haven't gotten into. But have we gotten into... The bridge. Yeah, mm. Well, we did talk about that one bridge that one time. Or oh, that is we true. Had that bridge episode. That one bridge. Uh, that one time <laughs> we did talk about. What was that bridge? Uh, uh boy. Let me see. I go back in the uh, archives. Evidently, it wasn't here. very memorable, but I think it was, it was actually a pretty cool Mozambique. bridge. Oh, Mozambique Island Bridge. Yes. It was one of the longest bridges in the world. Right. We had a whole bunch of long bridges. I think yep. after that. So we have well, this this bridge is definitely not the longest. It's mm. a little less long than a football field. <laughs> it's not not terribly yeah. lengthy. This bridge, yeah. Um, and this hip hop album is rather lengthy. True, but does it have any arches? Because my bridge has three. <laughs> doesn't have arches, but it does have an army. Oh man, my bridge doesn't have an army. But it's old enough, maybe, you know, armies could have... Actually, no, it, it, it seems to fall squarely in between. <laughs> squarely after the revolution and a little too far north for the Civil War to really have been relevant. Really doesn't mention any um, 
really doesn't mention any um, military people in this article, unfortunately. Although, uh, it does say that the bridge was traded with, uh, the, the, the site for it was traded for by, with Alane Lenape, who released their claim on the land in the area for, uh, I think, more than what they released Manhattan for. Hmm. This, this land was traded for by way of giving the Lenape Lenape two guns, six coats, six blankets, six duffel match coats, and four kettles. That was expensive land, <laughs> comparatively speaking. Yeah. Meanwhile, this album, I guess, isn't to be taken lightly. I mean, it did win awards. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the trip, the J Award is, <laughs> but it did win it. Yeah. You know what? Let's go. Let's go with when the dust settles. Okay. Because I mean, it's a the bridge. The bridge is interesting, but uh, kind of kind of going to be stuck with a lot of Pennsylvania uh, historical things. I think mm. based on what I'm looking at here. And while it may not be bad, may not be the best. <laughs> not to be confused with after the dust settles. When the dust settles was also a 37-minute-long film produced about uranium mining for the electrical trades, uh, which is also something that this is not to be confused with. Now, that's interesting, because that's also Australian. Yeah, like, when the dust settles must be a really, like, baller concept as far as Australian (laughs) culture is concerned. Maybe they have more dust over there. Yeah, it could be. I mean, I've seen Crocodile Dundee, and if that's anything to go by, they certainly have more dust. Oh, yeah. He got pretty dusty. He's a pretty dusty guy. Let's see. So, yeah. 69 Minutes really is a long album. I mean, like, you don't usually see... Like, I, I'd say 45 to 50 is typical. But the thing is that's weird about hip-hop and rap in general is that you'll see more... It's like prog rock and rap. Those are the two mm. album genre. Those are the two genres that will just have like ridiculously long <laughs> run times. You'll see double albums more often. I mean, think about it. Two two bands that come to mind immediately whenever you're like, who's who's made a double album? Well, you have like Pink Floyd, mm. and you have um, Outkast. <laughs> there you go. Yep. I mean, it, it just happens. And it's kind of strange because with hip-hop and rap, like, they're probably saying twice as many words mm-hmm. as a normal song so, or a non-rap song. Like, exactly. That's, so that's, that's a lot like of concepts. even more material, even if it was the standard length of an album. You've really got to... You really have to... Uh, re-listen to a lot of rap albums to get the full, mm. like, every hook mm-hmm. out of them. They, they, they're not... You miss a lot the first time around. And it's pretty amazing that, based on how much you miss just through listening, that anybody can even say this much stuff <laughs> in this much time, and that's why it is a legitimate skill. Yep. So this band formed in high school in 1996 uh, during their year 11, which I would be a junior for... Mm-hmm. Americans. Um, they released a tape demo, which I guess you could call a mixtape. I don't know if 
they maybe they weren't doing rap at the time. <laughs> maybe not. I don't know. But uh, it was called Behind the Bucket. And they sold copies at two local shops. That's one way to go. Just, like, distribute it right to places. Yeah, directly. That's not a bad idea. But they added another uh, member. Actually, yeah, the when the band first started, it was just Optimus and Dinah Mikes. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, which... If you'll notice, uh, Dynamikes, it doesn't look like he's still in the band. Oh, wait, no, he is. He's just not one of the producers. Right, right. Okay. He's he, The producers, I guess, are different from the actual members, although they do well, have a Optimus, lot of crossover. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so it was just those two at first, and then they added uh, Disaster. Disaster. Oh, I got it. <laughs> Looking at the word, I was like, I don't know what this is. Is this some kind of <laughs> Arabian? <laughs> like, that was that was a pretty good cover-up. That was uh, a pretty good yeah. switcheroo. But if you say it in an Australian accent, it makes a lot more sense. Disaster. It's a disaster. <laughs> it really does. It really does make more sense that way, yeah. Yeah, that's... Uh, huh. So, yeah. And I feel like... But Dynamite, his name... I th- feel like his real name is almost better than his uh, stage name. It's Shabazz Rind. I mean, I feel like that's pretty interesting. Um, but then later they also uh, re- recruited DJ Army uh, on turntables. And then they also expanded... To include a percussionist named Salvatore. His uh, real name was also Salvatore. <laughs> Salvatore only one. Pizzata. Pizzata. Really, really, really great last name there. And he used to be in a group called Beaver Loop. <laughs> uh, then they also, I guess Cheeky is another percussionist they got. Oh, he's, or, he's on keyboards. Oh, okay. Cheeky's on keyboards. Okay, so percussionist Salvatore, and then keyboardist Cheeky. They could they could afford a little switcheroo there in the yeah. sound structure, couldn't they? Um, he was in the Circus Murders previously, and uh, yeah, so that was the band. And it doesn't really give dates on the later members, but uh, 2000, they released their debut album... Eponymous, and uh, their first single was "Gifted Life," and it won the best single or nominated best single at 2003 Australian Dance Music Awards. And then their second album was "Land of the Giants," whoa, whoa, which was released in 2003 on the Hydro Funk label. But that this album was just released in 2004. Jeez, they were like really wow, yeah, going they, to town there for a couple <laughs> of years. Yeah, they really pumped this thing out. This is—I don't know if this is their longest album, but I feel like that's a lot of material to pump out in sort of short a time. Um, but yeah, then they signed in uh, with Obese Records in 2004 with a single, "Less Fortunate," which is less fortunate without 
one of the S's and without the space between the words. And so then they came out with their album, their full album, When the Dust Settles, nominated in 2005 for the J Award. Then in 2007, they signed with Elusive Records and started their next album. And once the tracks were down on tape, they then headed off to India to play a couple shows for the Mumbai Festival. Um, so, I don't know exactly why they're giving a full, like, band... Like, don't they have their own article to, for us to go to? They do. Why, why <laughs> did they give us the full history of the entire band just as the background for this album? I mean, I understand it is contributing to... Yeah. But it has nothing to do with the creative process. <laughs> it literally says nothing about this specific album. Well, like, they did all that stuff from 1996 forward, and then this album was just kind of left over. It's just kind of there. Yeah. You know? They didn't try to make this album. It just was, you know? They even talk about their fourth album in here, the one that came after this, All City, which came out in 2008. I'm going to go over to... The album, the, the the article for the band itself, and see if this isn't literally just copied and pasted <laughs> from the history. Uh, yep, it's literally the same, outside of the fact that the actual article has a couple of quotes sprinkled in. <laughs> they even left the quote from Optimist at the very bottom, uh, and then they just kind of stopped after a little after this album. They didn't copy and paste it with enough care to omit mention of the album that as of the time this album was released would not have yet been thought of but I mean there was a four year gap between this album and the next album. It's safe to say that the fourth album should not have been included in the article about the third album because there was no way they were even starting as, to conceptualize as about it. As far as the third album is concerned nothing exists after it. Right. It, it, that's the way it should be. Yeah. After the fourth album, if you want to add stuff about the fourth album into the background, go ahead. But, you know, the third album, that could have been it for the group. Four years is a long time to not make an album. Might have been some creative differences there between then and the time the fourth album came out. That's a little presumptuous. Still, these guys must have been pretty dedicated. It's kind of It always impresses me when bands are around for a really long time before they even get around to releasing one album. Or one single. Yeah. And by the time they actually show up, you're like, oh, that's going to be that's gonna be interesting. Kind of like Maroon 5. Oh, Maroon yeah. 5 was like a four-piece, and then they added one more dude, and eventually they... <laughs> like, But they've been around since, what, 94? And they oh, weren't yeah, big know. until early 2000s. I'm just going to go look at that real quick. Yeah, 1994. Really? 1994 till the present. But from 94 to 97, they were known as Kara's Flowers. Mm. They had another person, became five people. And then suddenly they're huge. And, well, not suddenly. Even well. then, it <laughs> took them another, what, 2003 with songs for songs about Jane? Somewhere around there. 2002 was songs about Jane. So, yeah, it still took them a better part of, you know, nine years to get traction going. Hmm. Crazy. So, like, a band, bands like this always kind of fascinate me. It's just like, what are you guys doing for... <laughs> were you trying stuff, or it was just not working? And why, why did you decide to stick with it? Like, what made you determine that this was, like, worth continuing, you know? Like, I mean, I know you wanted to pursue a career in music, but 
after that much time invested into something that you haven't even like produced anything <laughs> with, what were you getting back out of it that like made you say this particular <laughs> way that I am making music is the superior method? This is the one I want to stick with. You know what I mean? Because yeah. when you're an artist, it's kind of weird to think like when you're not actually functionally making things that you're willing to like hang out in space. It's like, no, nah, that's cool. Like, this is what I want to do with my life, but I'm okay with not actually, like, doing anything with it. <laughs> like, you're still not, like... Yeah. You still don't have any tangible... I, I, I mean, I know I know playing music is, like, getting gigs and stuff, too. It's not necessarily yeah. recording, but... I mean, they released the demo tape at local stores, but... Gonna give that a gonna give that a shaky shaky hand gesture at best. <laughs> yeah. Shaky hand gesture, shaky hand, horizontally level <laughs> parallel to the uh, to the floor. Oh, well, I guess technically they were still in school for two of those years. That's true. If they started in their eleven, so they really didn't have a chance to start. I guess like going out past curfew until. <laughs> I mean, Australia is a strict little country. Is it? very hmm. they they probably have like they 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 forbid they they had gun freedoms and they took all their guns away from mm-hmm. from all their citizens they have really strict like rating systems on their video games for violence and gore and mm-hmm. like they, they they're pretty they're pretty hardcore when it comes to i think internet censorship and stuff too like i, hmm. I think they're they're not uh they're not messing around well we do have a link to australia so if we ever want to bounce over there and yeah. read about their weird culture yeah we can do that and it might be interesting to see too because it's kind of a weird like bizarro united states yeah they're really economically successful they got a huge amount of land not a huge amount of people yeah. a la the united states of america <laughs> um and uh, uh they have a culture that is both more liberal and more conservative than ours mm. it's like if both of the extreme divisive sides in our government still existed, but then actually managed to both act on what they wanted to act on <laughs> at the same time. That's pretty much Australia. <laughs> it's it really it's really strange. But we also have some other things to go to here. Uh, we could go to Australia. We could go to Western Australia. We could go to Australian hip hop. We could go to. Western Australian Music Industry Awards. <laughs> There's one for just the West of. Maybe that's where we need to go. That. That's uh. That's that's hitting. Where do you see that one? It's in oh, the article oh, for yeah, When the yeah, Dust yeah. Settles. Uh, the Western Australian Music Industry Awards. It's very specific. It won most popular local original album, <laughs> which is a very specific <laughs> award to win at a very specific. Music Award Festival. Okay, this has right. to be investigated further. Yeah, I think this is. Let's go to the West Australian Music Industry Awards. Better Wham! Than Wham! I mean, technically, Whammya, but uh, Whammies. If they want to just stylize it as Wham, that's fine. The Whammies. Oh yeah, the Whammies. An annual award presented to the local contemporary music industry put on by the Western Australian Music Industry Association Incorporated (laughs) Wham! The Whammy Awards are Western Australia's Music Night of Nights. (laughs) 
uh, bringing together local fans and members of local, national, and international industry to acknowledge and celebrate another year of achievements for Western Australia. Local music? Like, local to Western Australia? Isn't Western that's, Australia that's the half one that... Of a country. And it's not even the populous side, I don't think. Isn't, like, Sydney on the east end of Australia? I think so. So that's where all the people are, right? You would think. So what What are, what are they uh, celebrating over there? Who's there to make maybe, music? Maybe there's just so few people that they're just like, hey, let's have our own thing. Let's be local. Yeah. Local with regard to the fact that they're on a giant continent all to themselves and <laughs> have, like, to travel thousands of miles to see another person. But let me go see this thing. I gotta look at the continent of Australia. Okay. Oh, uh, Western Australia is like an entire state, basically. You have several uh, territories. You got Tasmania, Victoria, something called ACT. Can't really see what that says. I'm not going to zoom in on it. Don't care. Uh, New South Wales, South Australia, Queensland, Northern Territory, and Western Australia. Western Australia is the one with the fewest uh, cities, it looks like, just looking at the map. They have the city of Perth. I know Perth. Mm. I've heard of Perth. Yeah. Uh, but Melbourne is in Victoria. Uh, Sydney is in New South Wales, along with Newcastle. Brisbane is in Queensland, and Adelaide is in Southern Australia. So, pretty much any other uh, towns of note uh, that you, I, I think, as a foreigner, may have heard of, mm-hmm. are not around. <laughs> yeah, they're not in. They're not in Western Australia. That's for sure. Hmm. Northern Territory has even fewer, though. <laughs> to be completely fair. Doesn't surprise me. That's, what, the heart of all of the worst beasts in Australia? Uh, probably. Yeah, the Western Australia actually looks pretty hab- habitable. A lot, of, a lot of green going on there for the most part, at least once you get pretty close to the ocean. But then there's also a lot of ter- terrible... Like, it, it goes away fast. Mm. Just kind of melts into being a hellish deathscape. <laughs> Of red, it looks like you're looking. At, it looks like you're doing Google Earth over Mars, very quickly. Oh, Australian Capital Territory is what ACT stands for. Just, just for the record, I don't know if that's actually where the capital is or not, but I can assume. Well, Wham, or the you know Western Australia Music Industry Awards. Or, or no, that's uh, the Western Australian Music Industry Association. Warmia. Uh, War, <laughs> War missing in action. Was, uh, was originally formed as the Western Australian Rock Music Industry Association. Or Warmia. Uh, kind of sounds like Wario or something. I don't know. Something weird about it. But that started in 1985. Fairly recent, I would say. Um, and I don't know if all of the these awards are the same as they are in like the Grammys. They have a lot of like very specific things. Um, local original recorded release, uh, popular venue for local original music. Popular local original music radio program. 
popular reviewer, popular local origin original band website, promising most promising new local original band. Um have uh, most popular female original instrumentalist and the same for every like specific instrument and that's and a gender. pretty that's pretty <laughs> I mean good on them for being inclusive but also like at that point don't you just kind of award literally everybody in the <laughs> western Australian music industry to some extent there can't be that many yeah. people. Okay, you know what? And then there's a ton of specific genres that they award best whatever to. Okay, all right. But listen. this is all for Western Australia. And there's still like, a lot of variety, though. I don't see like too many repeats. If, uh, like, Lancaster County was like, all right, time for the Lancaster County Awards, uh, music awards, let's nominate all the bands in the area for stuff it's like okay yeah listen you can't can't have like i don't know too much of a you can't really be that excited about the prospect of this yeah like you you already know who's going to win most of the things and wait hold on what was that where'd that go i just saw tame impala somewhere most promising new act tame impala tame impala was a was from Australia? I know Tame Impala. Do you do you know Tame Impala? I feel like I, I know Tame Impala. Don't. Let me let me make sure I know Tame Impala. But I'm pretty sure I know Tame Impala. Where is this? It's under Tame Impala. No, under industry voted awards, the most promising new act. Industry. Ah, there it is. Yep, I definitely know Tame Impala. They're pretty good. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, wasn't expecting to see that somebody I actually knew (laughs) on this list, but hey, I guess every once in a while. Well, when the dust settles, then uh, you find things that... Not to be confused (laughs) with uh, (laughs) after the dust settles. Right. Wow. Okay, There's this list just keeps going on. Um, yeah, I don't recognize any of these bands. Okay, we're getting out of the 2011 awards, and then there's the 2012. At least it seems like every every year they have somebody different win the more uh, all-encompassing categories. Mm. So it must be a pretty active music scene there. They must be a pretty musical group of people. Yeah, I guess so. But I think we got to investigate what's going on in Western Australia now, because it seems like there's more going on than what we would think. Okay, so Western Australia. What is going on with you? Well, it it occupies the western third of the entire continent of Australia, uh, bounded by the oceans of the Indies, the Indian Ocean, to the north and west, the Great Australian Bight and Southern Ocean to the south, uh, and the Northern Territory to the northeast, and the South South Australia to the southeast. Western Australia is Australia's largest state with a total land area of 
2,529,875,000 square kilometers, which means Ooh, that there is, with a population of 2.6 million people, one person per kilometer. <laughs> <laughs> Now, it's uh, wow. the second largest country subdivision in the world, surpassed only by Russia's Sakha Republic. However, a significant part of it is sparsely populated. 2.6 million inhabitants, yes, one kilometer per person. Of course, that's just basic math. But around 11% of the national total of the overall country of Australia is all that lives here. <laughs> 92% of the population that lives in this state lives in the southwest corner down kind of close to Perth. Mm. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Because once you get more north and nor nor more east... You get more you get, dead. Yes. <laughs> you get into creatures that people haven't discovered because they were eaten first. Yep. That's, that's actually... There's actually probably a fair deal of truth to that. You get to where the dinosaurs still roam. <laughs> Jurassic Park is in the middle of Australia, and nobody's able to get there. Um, the first European visitor to Western Australia was the Dutch explorer Dirk Hartog, who visited in 1616. And the first European settlement of Western Australia occurred the, following the landing of Major Edmund Lockyer on uh, 26th of December, 1826. That's pretty recent. Um, so, I didn't realize, I mean, I guess I kind of realized that Australia was more of a newer country, but, yeah, 1800s, that's, uh, that's good 50 years after uh, America was revolutionized and and already like up and running yeah. basically we had revolutionized and had a chance to establish ourselves in a legit war with the uh, <laughs> power that we just got freed from uh, and finished that war and we were already into our next war right we were we were getting ready to gear right right on up for the what is what was that Korean what was that the, thing the one that was in between Spanish American uh, Spanish yeah, Mexican or Mexican American French and Indian no, that was that was before. That was, before. That was even before the. That revolution. was even before okay. the revolution. There's was, another one. It, may, it probably was Spanish, Mexican, me, something, somewhere or another. Yeah, because that was like during the frontier times. Yeah, and we had Andrew crazy Jackson presidents had to who, go, yeah. yep, <laughs> go down there and become generals. And yeah, yeah, I think that was what that was. But yes, when when did the Civil War start? 1860, so it was on 60, the way up okay. to that. The, the, the issues that would eventually make that whole thing go kablooey did start mm -hmm. getting kicked around right then, but um, and before that. It was brewing for a while. Yeah. Yeah, it took a little bit, but uh, yeah, it, they just got their start in Australia <laughs> then. Yeah. And they didn't even get their own, like, responsible government until 1890, so that was even well after our own civil war. Well, the British had to quietly tell them that they weren't prisoners and that they were actually in charge of themselves the whole time, and had to let that. And then they had to kind of stew on that for a little while. The worst Twilight Zone twist. You mean I was in a I was in a country all along, and nobody cared. You mean you aren't controlling us? <laughs> you mean this isn't a prison? This is just 
Me wasting time on something I could make good on? Uh, <laughs> actually would be actually would be like the most hellish punishment. Like twenty years you spend like in work camps and then you just real and then they just tell you, yeah. Well, now we, you we didn't organize any of this. <laughs> you you just kind of you were just kind of doing this because we put you here, and you know, if you had done better, man, think about where you could have been at all that time. Well, I mean, they had people uh, visiting as early as 1616, so you think they would get some colonies sorted out sooner. Or maybe they just saw all of the creatures waiting True. for them upon landing and said, nope, <laughs> and turned around and promptly left. <laughs> that was probably the prison part, probably. at least at first. Yeah, they probably saw it and they're like, oh, this is the perfect place to send people we don't like. Yeah, yeah, look at these look at these giant kangaroos. They're kind of cute until they kick kick you into oblivion. That's, you know, kind of a problem with them, I guess. So, uh... The bulk of Western Australia consists of the extremely old Yilgarn Craton and Pilbara Craton, which merged with the Deccan Plateau of India, Madagascar, and the Karoo and Zimbabwe cratons of southern Africa in the Archean Eon to form Ur, one of the oldest supercontinents on Earth, about 3.2 billion years ago. Uh, so basically, this slab of Western Australia is just a pushed-up portion of the piece that would have been attached to both Southern Africa and mm. India all at one point. Gotcha. And that's kind of crazy to think about, but I guess, yeah. you know, the rest of the continental plate kind of sunk into the ocean, mm. broke off from India and South Africa. South Africa went way the heck down there. <laughs> India stayed fine because it slammed into the Asian continent and <laughs> was like, sup? Well, I mean, when you look World's at... World's tallest mountains. Uh, the map of the world, it pretty clearly, like, it all kind of fits right back together if you smush yeah, it. Yeah, you just kind of just got to grab them from, like, <laughs> South America, swoop into Africa, push yep. that right on up over with Australia, getting up in there. Yep. Just whoosh. <laughs> <laughs> Australia's a nice little wedge right in there. Yep, it, it kind of solves the puzzle. It's the yep. missing puzzle piece. <laughs> and uh, that being said, because uh, of this... There is evidence of the earliest known life on land, hmm. 3.48 billion years old, geyserite, and other uh, related mineral deposits often found around hot springs and geysers uncovered in this section of land. So oh, uh, it's a possibility that life started at least on this slab of land that's now exposed in well, Australia. I know that they also think that life seems to have probably started around Africa somewhere. So that would make sense if Everything they were connected at that time. Right, yeah, if it was like right at like the Africa, Australia, like and things probably wandered yeah. off from there, but it is interesting to see how, you know, life started on this little area and yeah. just by happenstance Tectonic movement shifted it all <laughs> over the place. Yep. Crazy stuff. Pretty crazy. What are the odds? Um, so, the southwest coastal area has a Mediterranean climate, and it was originally heavily forested, including large stands of carry, 
which is one of the tallest trees in the world. Uh, let me just bounce over to this thing to see what it actually looks like. Ah, very big tree. One so of the tallest. Of, of the eucalypt variety. Really? It's a eucalyptus type? Yep. That's pretty cool that they have, like, steps built into that one. Yeah. I love how trees just kind of absorb anything that you attach to them. Yep. They like, don't really care. Like, as <laughs> long as you leave it be and don't, like, really mess them up, then they're just kind of like, all yeah. right, we'll grow around it. Like, when, when uh, our tree, like, at my childhood home, we had attached little steps, like... Uh, like a ladder almost mm-hmm. kind of like, it looked like a little bit like a rope ladder but we attached it to the tree yep uh, by the time I was out of high school it was completely grown over by the tree <laughs> you could see the little bumps where yeah, it used to be but it was just like the tree nah. was just like eh I'm taking this <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome gotta love trees yep oh so we got the black swan is the state bird of western Australia Looks a little more awkward than you would think. <laughs> yeah. Got a big red beak, big red honking beak on there. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of uh, an odd juxtaposition there. Doesn't really look like a swan anymore. Now it kind of looks like a. It looks like somebody forgot to develop the photo. <laughs> yeah, it looks like a photo negative of an actual swan. Um, but the red and green kangaroo paw is the floral emblem of Western Australia. I've never heard of this plant, but but it does look pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Looks like uh, top of a cockatiel or something. Yeah, like it's uh, really really radical looking actually. There's over 540 species of birds. Hmm. Um, well, 10,000 native plant species. <laughs> Uh, so there's a lot of diversity going on here. Yeah, and there's uh, 1,200 naturalized alien or invasive plant species. So I guess people just brought whatever they wanted over. But that's par for the course. It's just that Australia kind of came along late enough in the game that they are they were able to be aware of it. Because by the yeah. time they were getting their legs under them, we started to understand, at least in part... What those kinds of terms were and what they meant and yeah. how they affected things. So that's why you have things like Johnny Depp having to show up on video and apologize for bringing his dog into the country. <laughs> uh. Oh, this is an interesting map. There's an interesting map down here about Western Australia's population distribution. Hmm. And sure enough, pretty much all the dots are Perth. <laughs> it's mostly just Perth. Yeah. Uh, people are just like, ah, we'll hang out by the ocean right here. <laughs> yep. Well, you, there's a place where there's like green and it's like Mediterranean esque. Well, great. Let's not go anywhere else. <laughs> uh, why, why would we? There's a place full of death and horrible monsters. All right, let's uh, stay away from that part. So Europeans began to settle permanently in 1826 when Albany was claimed by Britain to forestall French claims to the western third of the continent, which I didn't even know was a thing. Uh, but apparently the French had a hand in colonizing Australia as of well. They did. Perth was founded as the Swan River Colony, hence the Swan, mm. uh, in 1829 by British and Irish settlers. 
Though the outpost languished, its officials eventually requested convict labor to augment its population. So there just weren't enough people who wanted to go there, so <laughs> they sentenced people to go there. In the 1890s, interstate immigration, resulting from a mining boom in the Goldfields region, resulted in a sharp population increase. Western Australia did not receive significant flows of immigrants from Britain, Ireland, or elsewhere in the British Empire until all the way into the early 20th century. At that time, its local projects, such as the Group Settlement Scheme of the 1920s... That's not a good name. That sounds like an awful name. (laughs) Don't don't include scheme in your name. It's, it says for scheme. Your... <laughs> like it doesn't even say plan. Scheme. <laughs> Never There's some implications. Scheme in a legitimate like name. Maybe uh, it wasn't. Uh, maybe they knew that and they were just like, I, well, I there's no be. point in not being yeah, honest about it. Well Might as well be. say. <laughs> it encouraged farmers to settle the southwest. Increased uh, the awareness of Australia's western third as a destination for colonists too. <laughs> Led by immigrations from the British Isles, Western Australia's population developed at a faster rate during the 20th century than it had previously. After World War II, both the eastern states and the western of Australia received large numbers of Italians, Croatians, and Macedonians. Despite this, Britain has contributed the greatest number of immigrants to this day. Western Australia, particularly Perth, has the highest proportion of British-born to any state. 10.3% in 2011 compared to a national average of 5.1%. Interesting. So what is the... I'm curious about the percentage of immigration... For the totality of Australia, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because like, you can see the... What is the makeup here? And oddly, oddly, there are a lot of people who are ethnically Australian, I guess, but aren't indigenous. Oh. So, the indigenous people are about 3%. So, the normal thing happened. Most of them, unfortunately. Uh, so, yeah. went the way of America. Yeah. <laughs> yep. We can kick out we can kick out actors' dogs they, <laughs> with great fanfare, but the people still end up killing the people. As so it turns out, they showed up and they saw people and they were like, "Oh, hi! Uh, this is our place now." <laughs> By the way, <coughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, do you do you know about these germs? Guess what? <laughs> now you do. My body knows how to fight them. <laughs> Hope yours does. <laughs> well, good luck with that. We're gonna take over a while. Um. The, I guess the the uh, Australian identifying populace is just people who were born there, but are probably of like British or Irish descent from the looks of things. Mm. Looks like there's a in this part of Australia, looks like there's a pretty even keel between Irish, Scottish people, and and then there's mostly British people. Yeah, it's almost even between English and Australian as far as the population for this place well hey you know what you want to go see what the racial breakdown is we can bounce over the demographics of australia right now you just go go. to the whole country see what it's about yeah maybe we could Uh, might as well might as well do it we're we're not even halfway down this article but (laughs) no i can't imagine well just so you know what you're missing the majority of the economy here is built up of iron ore they ship out a lot of iron ore and metals Gold's 8%, aluminum 7%, nickel's 4%, and 31% petroleum, too, is also something they ship out a lot of. And they also send out a lot of rock lobster. (laughs) 
they also have a weird uh, uh, history of secession. Hmm. They've tried a couple times to leave, <laughs> but uh, at the so end of this, the, it's not recent. Is this the Texas of West of Australia? I think it might be, because it seems like it seems like it's like mostly petroleum, you know, industrial based, and then. Hmm. Hard to populate. Nobody really <laughs> wanted to go there, so they sent people there, and then that backfired because then the people wanted to be free. I think this is yeah. I think this is Australian Texas. Hmm. There's uh, not very many notable, or as far as I'm concerned, no notable musicians or anything or bands. But as far as actors, uh, Heath Ledger, Sam Worthington, and Isla Fisher are from here. So, keep going, go. Western Australia. <laughs> You've, You've done some stuff. Yep. So, demographics of Australia. Let's do it. All right. 24 million people total in the country. Uh, 52nd to, wait, how in many the world. Was, was that two, two million, million in Western Australia? Yes. <laughs> just two. So, that entire, like, one third of the land of Australia has like one tenth of their entire population and then the rest of it's in the other states it's pretty crazy to think about especially considering the northern territory doesn't have anything like anything (laughs) at all (laughs) gotta be a lot of bad insects and Uh, yeah a lot of bad spiders yeah a lot of spiders that you wouldn't wanna wouldn't wanna mess with yeah Anyway, now that my crippling fear has subsided somewhat, uh, the population is mostly concentrated in urban areas, but they are expected to hit 28 million people by 2030. It's 2017, so they're going to add an entire, like, fifth of their population, basically, by in, like, a little under 15 years, which is pretty impressive, considering. That's uh, pretty good. Average population density through the entire country is 3.2 persons per square kilometer. Um, so that's a little bit better than it was in in the uh, western state alone. But I have to wonder if you took the western state and the northern state out of the equation, if that wouldn't just like kind of skyrocket a little bit. Now, here's something interesting about Australia. Their health uh, is pretty great. Their life expectancy is number fourth in, I'm assuming, the world uh, at 81.2 years old. It's pretty good. Um, infant mortality rate, 202nd in the world at 4.5 something is guess, that, percent. Is that good? Is that do you want to be? You want to be low on the infant mortality? I'm thinking. I I, I, I hope my, so. I mean, I, well, actually. Now that I'm thinking about it, maybe not. I, I don't know. I don't know what their system is here. Because I was thinking, like, if you're number one on the infant mortality, it would mean that you have a lot of babies dying. But if you're lowest, you would have a very well, few. Yeah. That's what, I, my, that's what my interpretation was. I but would imagine. It's possible that they're like, no, if the least infant mortality, you are up at number one. I don't know. Let me see. Because, yeah, it might... Um, nah, Australia is good. They're they're green. List of countries. being at the bottom of the okay. list is good. Being at the bottom of the list is good. Okay, 
Wow, number one is Turkey. Number two is Mexico. Number one is oh. what? Turkey. What? What happened? When did that happen? Uh, I don't know. United States is fifth. That's pretty good. That's pretty darn good. Well, oh wait, no. Is that bad? That's bad. Uh, it's wait, not great. I'm trying to. Now I'm getting confused again. Now I'm trying. We to gotta figure out the terms. Yeah, I, I gotta figure out if uh, what's good and what's bad here. Um, forty-three deaths per one thousand. So the mortality rate is per thousand births. Thirteen point five die in Turkey. Okay, so that's bad. Yes. And then okay, so United States being fifth is really bad. Luxembourg being thirty fourth is really good. Okay. So so yeah, United States almost the worst as far as having babies die. In developed nations. Uh yeah. Actually, yes. I mean, we're probably the most like affluent. Is that the right word? Nation that is of uh, of, of the ones of on the this highest list. mortality rate among infants. I'm surprised to see Canada so close, so high up there. Yeah, me too. I thought they would have done a little bit the better United there. United Kingdom but... is up at 12. I mean, that's it's crazy. And honestly, and then... I thought Switzerland would probably be lower too, because I feel like they have as much money as Luxembourg or Norway. Like they would probably be pretty low down there. Yeah. And then, of course. You have the country with like the the most crazy, you know, animals and mm-hmm. insects imaginable being really low down on the list. <laughs> yeah, it's actually surprising because you would think that there would be a lot of times a kangaroo would just show up and take your baby, and you would that'd be it. <laughs> you wouldn't even know the baby was dead. You'd just be yep. like, "Well, it's in a pouch somewhere, <laughs> probably." Anyway. Yeah, back um, to the actual okay. what we're trying to figure so out here. So we have uh, concluded that infant mortality rate 200 second is good, very good. Um, actually, how many countries are there in the world? 300 some? 200 and I feel like 200 is pretty like close to the the max. I think there's only like 220 or maybe less than that. Uh, that can't be right. 190, wait, what? Yeah, I just saw that. So if there's 190, okay, well, this is the weird thing, too. (laughs) Taiwan is one, and I guess if you're talking about, like, um, what if you're talking about things like, uh, uh, Holy See as a country too, because maybe mm. that's where they're getting 202 from. But that still, could be. either way, they're like last on the list. They're so last; they're, they're beyond the amount of countries they're actually like, are. If you want to have a baby, go to Australia because chances are it will absolutely be fine. Um, okay, so let's see, death rate 122nd. So I guess that's also pretty good. That's what I'm guessing. Yep. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah. So those are pretty the notable ones here, I guess. They have the first... They are first in political freedom in the world. First? Yeah. They have... 
they are equal with other countries, but they are the most politically free uh-huh. in the world. Now, I'm, I'm to going see... to go see who they are tied with yeah. because if they are in some way more free than America... <laughs> whoops. <laughs> oh, no, look at that. America is also very free. Uh, uh, let's see. How do I... And oddly enough, so is Suriname. Suriname is not a country I thought was going to be so free. Hmm. And Uruguay. Russia seems it's not free. Well, that's... Uh, <laughs> how about that? <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? Most of Africa is not free. Kiribati. Kiribati's free. Don't forget Kiribati. <laughs> Except there's one country in uh, South America that's not free. Which is Which one's that? I don't know, top, middle? The top middle country. Oh, so you mean Venezuela. Is that what that is? Is it? Is it? Let me go down. Let me go down to the chart. The chart is a little more friendly, I guess. Middle East and Africa. Okay, what's... Where's America? Where's... Okay, here's America. Venezuela is... Eh, partly, 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 partly. Oh, Cuba. Not... Not, 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 not free, not nah, a free place. And nah, then there nah, are nah, 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 nah. Uh, disputed, related, and disputed territories like uh, Abkhazia in Georgia, Crimea in Ukraine, the Gaza Strip, which apparently belongs to Pennsylvania, according to this. <laughs> um, Palestinian army. Sorry, sorry, everyone. Um, Hong Kong, Jammu and Kashmir, Azad Kashmir. Jammu and Kashmir is in India. Azad Kashmir is in Pakistan. Uh, Nagorno-Karabakh, which is in Azerbaijan. Puerto Rico, in the United States, super free. Super free. Don't know why it's in, like, a conflicted, but... The Western Sahara in Morocco, not free at all. Didn't know that was an issue. That's kind of interesting. Transnistria, which is in Moldova, kind of a cool name for a place. Very not free. Tibet, obviously, very not free. Lots of places in Georgia, very not free. This is a cool index. Yeah. The index of being free. And what, one thing I find interesting is the countries that go from being free or partly free to being not free. Like Venezuela is one of those. Up until this year, it was partly free. Now it is not free. Nope. No longer free. No longer anything, really. Like, yeah. there are people hijacking helicopters and flying them into government buildings over there. And it's it's going nuts. It's not free. Nope. Colombia is freer than it is, which is kind of weird. <laughs> Turns out that drug money went to good use. Yeah. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's see. We um, still haven't found what we wanted to find, I don't think, have we? I mean, there's a map here about the indigenous population of Australia, like, uh, uh, in the middle of Australia, the 
indigenous peoples per capita really skyrockets in those places where we think there is quote unquote nothing there is 30% indigenous people all the people that are there are indigenous if there are people <laughs> says there are about half a million aboriginal people there still though so that's pretty oh. decent yeah now as far as population growth goes don't care about that blah 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 well, uh, as far as largest cities in Australia, obviously Sydney and Melbourne are up there. Yes. Perth, Perth is fourth, and it <laughs> it's almost at two million people, which, yes, as we said before, almost every single person in Western Australia lives in Perth. <laughs> so that's like having, to put this in perspective, having like Philly, the people that are in, well, actually, no, less than Philly. It's like having Pittsburgh. And then the county of Lancaster, and the people that are in the county of Lancaster, and then the space of California, <laughs> Idaho, Wyoming, and Colorado combined to have all those people in. Yeah, because isn't Australia just almost as big as the United States? Yeah. Like, it looks yeah. smaller on the map, but it's, but it's actually as If you big. do a direct overlay, it's about the same. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's... Uh, that's a lot of empty space down there. Yep. Boy, howdy. <laughs> I think the fact that there is a place that has 229,000 people and it's called Townsville. <laughs> the place where the Powerpuff Girls literally leave. Live. It's the city of Townsville. It's in Australia. It's an actual city. It's there. It's, it's notable enough to be on the list of largest cities or towns. The city of Townsville. <laughs> sure enough. That's actually its name. It is an actual city. <laughs> Jesus. This is this is too good. Well, let's we gotta end on that one, I think. Yeah, we gotta I, end I on the so. city <laughs> of Townsville. <laughs> Townsville. I really hope there's a guy who has the last name Town. Actually, no, you know what? Yeah, I don't. Could... I hope there's nobody named Town involved in the history <laughs> of founding this place. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Well, you may be... I am out of luck. Yeah. Um, there is a Robert Towns. Yeah. Okay, so... Uh, Indigenous groups like the Walgurukaba, Bindal, Garuguba, Warakamai, and Nawagi originally inhabited the Townsville area. And um, the Walgurukaba claimed to be the traditional owner of the Townsville city area. Uh, James Cook visited the Townsville region in on his first voyage to Australia in 1770, but did not actually land there. And he named nearby Cape Cleveland and Cleveland Bay and Magnetical Island. Magnetical? Apparently, I mean... Magnetic Al. I, I, I guess they have, like... He originally named it Magnetical Island, and then later they were like, ah, nah, it's, just it's just magnetic, buddy. <laughs> it's not magnetical. Magnetical is not a word. It's like this nuclear <laughs> nuclear thing you keep saying. Nuclear. <laughs> it's, not, it's not how it's said. 
Um, but yeah, so then we get to the establishment of the town. Uh, the Burden- Burdekin River's seasonal flooding made the establishment of a seaport north of the river essential to the nascent inland cattle industry. Ah. And John Melton Black of Woodstock Station, an employee of Sydney entrepreneur and businessman Robert Towns, dispatched Andrew Ball, Mark Watt Reed, and a detachment of eight troopers of the native police to search for a suitable site. Ball's party reached the Ross Creek in April 1864 and established a camp below the rocky spur of Melton Hill near the present Customs House on the Strand. Edward Kennedy, a member of the surveying party, recalls the native police chasing local tribesmen into the ocean and pumping lead at them. Um, so, let's see. Townsville was com- declared a municipality uh in February 1866 um, and in that year Robert Towns visited for three days his first and only visit <laughs> wait what so this is almost as good as having like a town that's named this with nobody involved because yeah. all he did was send some guys there I don't even know if he sent them it looks it like was just he some was guy commissioned for him yeah some guy that worked for him was like, hey, we got to have this, you know, establishment here somewhere. And, yeah, he never really was involved. And he came by and he's like, uh, okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I didn't tell you to do any of this, but once again, good job. <laughs> and then Keep he, thinking you're in prison. Bye. He agreed to provide ongoing financial assistance to the new settlement, and Townsville was named in his honor. I guess you just keep throwing money at something. Eventually, the town gets named after you. (laughs) Maybe they were just like, you don't care about us? Fine. We're going to name it a stupid name after you. (laughs) And now now we'll see how how you like it. You'll go down, not known by this town, but you'll go down. We could have called it, like, Townsboro or something (laughs) that had, like, a space between it so that you would have known. But or even like Robert Town or yeah something because then your first name's in there. But guess what? No <laughs> Townsville. Townsville. <laughs> now people are just gonna think it's a joke. Town. <laughs> it's a real Villesville. <laughs> so during World War II, the city was host to more than fifty thousand American and Australian troops and air crew. Became a major staging point for battles in the Southwest mm. Pacific. Uh, a large United States Armed Forces contingent supported the war effort from seven airfields and other bases around the city and in the region. Uh, the first bombing raid on Rubal in Papua New Guinea, which I didn't know was involved in World War II, but okay, uh, on, April, on February 1942, was carried out by six B-17s based near Townsville. Now, yeah, I, even though earlier I said that I was surprised that... Um, Australia was as recent as it was. I'm also like, always, I forget that they were like around during World War II. Right? Like, you don't really seems hear like much still, about what they were doing. But they were holding down the like, fort. Like, they were just sitting there really, really close to Japan, and Japan didn't even, like, I guess, I, I, I don't, I, 
I guess they were they were okay. Even yeah. though they were like the easiest thing for Japan to just be like, hey, 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 and just keep throwing stuff at. They didn't. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they did and well, they just didn't. It says that there were three small Japanese air raids conducted against Townsville specifically. <laughs> Wait, okay, all right. So maybe there's more going on to the overall Which, history. This was then the most important airbase in Australia. Which okay. Is surprising. <laughs> maybe maybe there wasn't a whole lot going on actually. I guess not. Uh, several... No lives were lost in the air raids. <laughs> That's good. So 500-pound bombs were dropped in the harbor near the Garbutt airfield and at Ununumba. 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 That's a good name for a place. Yeah. Um, The Japanese aircraft were intercepted on two of the three raids, but nobody was shot down, so nobody killed anybody else. (laughs) Good job, both sides. That's that's how you fight a war. You, you yep. fly some planes by, you say, I got bombs. And you say, okay, we got planes. We can shoot your plane bombers down. Okay, cool. All right, see ya. And that's how you, that's how you war. Yep. On Christmas Eve 1971, a Category 4 cyclone battered the city at Magnetic Island, causing considerable damage. So the weather's a little on, on the less than ideal side. Hmm. But it's less than uh, 840 miles away from Brisbane. Or Brisbane, (laughs) I should say. So it's got that going for it. Yeah. Uh, Looking over the list of notable people, I can safely say that there are no notable people from this town. (laughs) From the city of Townsville. Yep. Uh, I wonder who the mayor of Townsville is. I don't recognize a single name on the notable people list. Granted, most of them are native artists and uh, army people and, like, sports people. So, I probably wouldn't know them, but... Yep. Yeah, I don't I don't recognize any of these people, either. But... Oh, there's the editor... Wait, hold on. Why is Julian Assange the editor-in-chief of WikiLeaks on this list? Is this where he's from? Wait... Where do you, where do you, where do you Notable see? people. Julian Assange. Oh, he's the first name. He's. Oh, I passed over that one. That's. Uh, I guess he is from. Is, is this he is. Born in Townsville. Born in Townsville. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, that is. Well, there you go. An odd connection. Okay. The Julian city Assange. of Townsville. <laughs> birth to. Birth, place where a supervillain was born. Who knew? <laughs> yeah. So, uh. There you have it, from When the Dust Settles to Townsville. The city of Townsville. (laughs) The city of Townsville. So, you can find us all over the internet. Just search our name in quotes, and you'll find us everywhere. And anywhere you find us, if you can give us a rating, that'd be pretty cool. And uh, so I'd like to thank Louis Armstrong for our theme song, and Billy Murray for our outro song. And thanks again for joining us. I was Eric. And I was John. And this was the Wikipedia Chronicles. I'm very surprised that Australia has such a high life expectancy with all the also all that stuff going on. Yeah. yeah, that's super weird. Like, if I lived there, I would not expect to live 
the next day. <laughs> Just for fear of something crawling into my house and eating me alive. Ugh. <laughs> so creepy. So many bad, so many bad creatures. <laughs> like, how could you even have that many terror, terrifying things? Terrifying. <laughs> Maybe in addition to sending prisoners there, they also sent, like, creatures that they didn't like. They, they just found just like, them from all oh, over the God, world. I hate this thing. <laughs> take just it. it off. Just dump it off take, in Australia. Take all these horrible things to Australia. Maybe that's what they did. They found them, like, when they were colonizing other places, and they're just like, get them out of here. Just take them all. Just take them all to this place. Australia was, like, the rug of the, the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just throw them all in there. It's fine. Mollies and Pollies and Susies and Dollies I greet hearts in every port.